the CU 2.0 podcast. Welcome to the CU 2.0 podcast with your host, Robert McGarvey. Today's guest, Mike Reuter, Executive Director of the Worldwide Foundation for Credit Unions. He does good work as part of the World Council. What they do is facilitate interactions between credit unions from different countries, different parts of the world. It's a fascinating podcast today. As he says, credit union executives are extremely, extremely generous in terms of their knowledge, in terms of their ability, willingness to spend their own money, in many cases, to help. He tells a great story about helping to rebuild the Dominica credit unions after a horribly devastating hurricane. tells a great story about knowledge interchange between Polish credit unions and Ukrainian credit unions, about knowledge interchange between American credit unions and Ukrainian credit credit unions. It's a, it's a podcast that takes you around the world. You're going to p- go to places you've probably never been to. We also touch on some very important things like how digitization is changing the world of credit unions. Also, he talks about how in some parts of the world, Brazil, for instance, there's a shared credit union technology platform that pretty much all credit unions are on. What if we had something similar like that in America? Not compulsory. No one's saying that the giant credit unions with, with technology that they love have to get on it. But what if there were a shared platform that was available to all credit unions under, say, a billion dollars in assets? And each one you'd pay as you go. What if there were? Well, that's apparently what Brazil has, and it seems to work pretty well there. Canada has something a bit similar. Think about it. It's credit unions cooperating with each other to make the world a better place. What's the number one issue facing credit unions around the world today? Um, digitization, and I think that that issue is is a different challenge and or success depending on which region of the world you're looking at. And I can speak very high level about that. There are, there, are, there are national credit union associations or national associations around the world, Robert, that have more integrated e-payment systems or digitization uh, payment systems that connect credit union to member much more fluidly than, say, here you know, in the market here in the United States. But I would say, you know, getting the more that credit unions are going to be able to impact the communities that they serve is going to be geared on their ability to quickly embrace and collaborate cooperatively, pun intended, together on ideally a singular e-payment or payment system or digitization strategy. And I think that's where World Council can play a role and leverage its, its many decades of expertise and its international relationships it's forged throughout the years to bring various credit union systems together, other global entities, other entities together that specialize in, in, in mobile digital channel delivery to foster ideas, to come up with solutions, to solve challenges that the various regions, credit union regions around the world have in order to, in order to get to the, the end goal, which is the digitization of, of their particular system, of their, of their particular region in order to reach more members in, in far away or seemingly unreachable places. Do you see U.S. credit unions having pretty much the same problems as their international peers? In terms of digitization? Sure, in terms of digitization, but also anything else that might be an issue. In my, in my travels around the United States last year, in terms of talking with credit union CEOs, you know, I think their, their challenges are similar to their global peers and the fact that they 
they are concerned about, you know, increasing their market share in, in terms of reaching reaching underserved communities, having empathy and understanding their each of their individual member journeys. And what I mean by that is, you know, their member segs are are comprised of so many different people as as credit unions continue to merge or get larger, they incorporate much more diverse membership populations. And I think with that comes a need to better understand the needs of of those individual member groups. And with that comes empathy in terms of understanding what these individual member groups are needing and, and the challenges that they're facing on a daily basis and how the credit union with its resources and its expertise can can better overcome and help them help them get the get the solutions that they need. Obviously ideally from a financial from a financial inclusion, financial literacy perspective. Now how do how do credit unions cooperate cross border? So how they cooperate across border traditionally I mean, I'll speak from the World Council perspective because that's obviously that's the that perspective I bring. They cooperate cross border initially with a knowledge transfer. So different credit union systems are in different states of evolution, so to speak. And again, there's different components within those systems that are more advanced than others, but they initially they initially work together to identify challenges. They they leverage their expertise from the various systems to try to try to develop solutions to those particular challenges. I'll give you an example. Dominica. Dominica is a small island in the Caribbean that's part of the Triple C U, which is the Caribbean Confederate uh, Credit Union Confederation. Their 90% of their GDP was wiped out at the end of 2017 from a from a massive hurricane. Through the through the Confederation, which is a World Council Trade Association dues-paying member, they reached out to the World Council asking asking us for assistance, asking us to help us help asking us for assistance in, in leveraging our U.S. relationships within the credit union movement to assist with both disaster relief rebuilding from a fundraising perspective. And also leveraging technical expertise in terms of the in terms of con- consolidating potential credit unions within the system that couldn't survive after the wake of the in the wake of the disaster, or and or the system was really looking to explore ag lending as a product as a loan product which had never been introduced before within the Dominican credit union system. So how World Council responded is not only did it say yes, we are willing to obviously help you, and we'll do, we'll help Dominica through the Caribbean Credit Union Confederation leadership, but we have strong relationships in Indiana, the Indiana credit union system. Um, and what we'll do is we'll leverage that we know that they have an expertise in egg lending um, and, and credit union consolidation, and we'll we'll bring them to Dominica, and we'll bring the leadership of those two groups together to help you develop a strategic plan or strategic initiative, strategic action steps to help Dominica kind of chart a new course and or and and get it, it get it back up on its feet within the rebuilding efforts. Now, the Worldwide Foundation is the World Council's 501c3 charitable nonprofit arm. We're, our, we're the official fundraising arm of the World Council, and we leveraged we leveraged that tool to put out a call for um, disaster relief support financially from predominantly the U.S. credit union system. And within a four-month period, we were able to raise $200,000. That was funneled through the the National Association, the Triple uh, Triple CU, the Caribbean Confederation, and then filtered those funds uh, appropriately to the Dominican League uh, through a grant agreement process. I say all that because that's kind of a, a more recent case study of how international credit unions and domestic credit union entities are crossing borders to assist one another in time of need. I would say, from a volunteerism perspective, 
World Council is the uh, World Council receives a lot of volunteer requests from international credit union systems or individual uh, credit unions within the system to come uh, to uh, to help bring volunteers to those systems to help with a particular issue. Um, our project in Ukraine, our ag, our ag lending and, and advocacy project in Ukraine was an example of where we brought credit union professionals from the United States to assist Ukrainian credit unions with, and the Ukrainian national associations with regulatory advocacy, legislative advocacy, credit union marketing, credit union operational strengthening in terms of back of office operations, ag lending, because we have a, um, an agricultural ag lending pro- uh, project active in, in Ukraine. So that's another example of how we, we as the World Council are kind of a key volunteer portal in terms of asking for volunteer support, volunteer help. Uh, and the U.S. credit union system is extremely generous in paying their own way in coming over with us to these various parts of the world to assist their international peers and helping them grow and solve challenges that, that are facing either their national association, their credit union, or the individual members that they serve. Now, an issue that I see in the U.S. is the lack of new credit union formation. Is that a common issue globally? If you look at the if you look at the, the metrics that World Council has captured since its founding in 1971, you see a lot of member growth is obviously a key piece, a key metric to that. And we just surpassed in terms of counting, we've surpassed the 260 million member mark. And because of that, you know, we see a lot of large credit union growth. We see a lot of large credit union consolidation. I would say I would say unfortunately, I'm not I'm not as privy to knowing the growth of small credit unions. To, throughout the world in terms of how quickly they're growing or if there's there's been a significant percentage increase, you know, over a year-to-year period or, or over a five-to-ten-year period. But I, what I can say is that our system partners, which is our dues-paying members of these various national associations of credit unions, have grown significantly over the last three to five years as we've measured the data on an annual basis. So, like in Kenya, credit unions have grown uh, substantially in Brazil, in Asia, they've grown substantially. Now, in other parts of the world, their credit unions in Ireland are, are facing a lot of regulatory burden that are preventing them from acquiring new members because they're limited on what kind of products they can offer to their membership. So um, World Council just facilitated an American-Irish exchange program in February that really helped open the Irish credit union system's eyes to some of the ways that U.S. credit unions are loaning out and, and, and providing loan products to, to members. You know, things, things as easy as like drive-through, drive-through service and, mark, and, and, credit, and adding credit cards uh, to, their, to their product portfolio were, were things that, because of a variety of factors, Irish credit unions weren't, weren't able to do. So I, don't, I haven't seen any data on how quickly or how much small credit unions have grown around the world. I know that here in the U.S., just from speaking to a variety of small credit union CEOs, that they're obviously continuing to face challenges and face the threat of, of merging with a larger counterpart. I'm also interested in new credit union startups, which in the United States are slim to none. Are, are there more startups globally? There again, I, I don't I don't hear, at least from our CEO's office, who is our primary contact out in the field, our Brian Branch, he, he travels, I'd say, 250 days out of the year. From his reports, I don't see a lot of new startup initiatives occurring with with respect to our, our large credit union members within the trade association. Do international credit unions cooperate more with each other than, than we see in the U.S.? 
I mean, I see a lot of networking and a lot of cooperative dialogue happening at our World Credit Union Conference, which is the International Credit Union's, I would say, banner banner uh, event. You know, I don't hear a lot. I personally don't see or hear a lot of um, international credit union cooperation now that but I would say, you know, the, the examples I have, the Irish, the Irish and the UK systems partnering together on a variety of initiatives. Seen a lot of, I, I see examples of the Polish credit union system and the Ukrainian credit union system partnering together. The Polish credit union system is much older in terms of its evolution and, and far, farther along than the Ukrainian system. So there's been a lot of collaboration between those two, more and, and primarily because they're geographic, they're, they're neighbors from a geographical perspective, and they, they obviously share a lot of diaspora populations and and, and and share the same same challenges. So, from Poland's perspective, they're able to leverage their expertise and their their experience of having gone through a variety of, of, of various issues to assist the Ukrainian system, which is much younger in terms of its evolution than its polar Polish counterpart. Things like Advoca- uh, regulatory advocacy and again member experience and back of office operations and di- you know digital digitization efficiency, of which both of this, both systems still have still have some challenges that face them. Well, what do you know about technology sharing? My, my understanding, and I'm certainly no expert on this, is that in Canada there is an incredible level of technology sharing among credit unions. Mm-hmm. In the United States. Almost every credit union is homegrown. They go, they use a vendor. They don't grow it themselves. But right. so every credit union has a core system. They don't have eight credit unions on one core system, even though technically there's no earthly reason why you couldn't. Right. Uh, whereas in Canada, what I'm told is there is a lot of that kind of sharing, and it's kind of built baked into the system. Are, are you right. aware of other countries where that's true? The, the country that I'm the, – the system that I would be the most familiar with that's similar to what you're describing is uh, Secreti in Brazil. They – not just their digitization system, but all aspects of their system are, is integrated together. And my understanding is that their their digitization system is completely integrated amongst all credit unions. They're, all credit unions are, are within the same system, thereby marketing, operations, member experience. It's all woven into one singular system across the entire country which is, I think, to credit union people around the world, not just the United States, is a pretty progressive, innovative approach. So, um, I think it's a great thing. I think that's a way to right. save a lot of sub $100 million in asset credit unions. Right. Give them a shared technology platform that, that they pay for on a, on a use basis. And, uh, right. and then there's no longer a worry about, oh, our technology is broken. Oh, we can't do money laundering stuff. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. You don't have to do any of it. Just you know, turn the right. machine on and let it do it. It's, uh, right. So Secreti would be a, I think, a key example. And they've been, they've been such a great supporter as a, not just as a trade association um, member uh, entity, but also in support of the the World Council's women's and women's and youth empowerment initiatives as well, which is something that World Council sees tremendous value in continuing to foster. On a global scale to forward the movement. That's well, as you deep also, as I. You, you see how, how international trends affect the U.S. An obvious example is real time banking, right. which was resisted right. enormously in the U.S. Right. Even, even all, except for a few of the really biggest banks, everybody else was freaking out about real time. But because it was catching on in Europe, primarily the U.K., 
there was an inevitability to it. So international, I, I believe, affects the U.S. And China's mobile payment stuff, you look at that and you say, man, they have billions of users. <laughs> it's, right. The, the system right. works. It's, it's right. like a 10-year-old so, system, and it has a billion users. Heavens. It's, right. Uh, and so I guess the, the question begs, you know, why isn't, why aren't why aren't comparable credit union systems adopting similar technology or similar models? But well, some credit unions tell me. And I think they're telling me the truth that uh, some Colorado credit unions tell me that they can recruit very talented people who want to live in Colorado and who believe in the credit union movement and mm -hmm. would rather work for a credit union than make fifty percent or hundred percent more working for a bank. Sounds right. sounds plausible. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, and if credit unions can sell themselves as a better, more decent place to work and to do business, I, I think they could compete better on a talent level. And I think, well, Matt, I mean, just in my very bare bones experience being in the credit union movement space, you know, people that want to work for a credit union, they're, they're people that are, they're not just focused on the bottom line, they're focused on truly improving the lives of the members that they serve in the communities that the credit union serves. And I think that that is a distinct difference that has to be stated. Okay, well, I mean, let me I ask think... you that question. In, in the U.S., some credit unions, but not all credit unions, see the community development function as critical to the credit union's mission. Right. And there's a philosophical, moral divide within American credit unions where some people see this as absolutely essential, and if you're not doing it, you're immoral. Others say, hey, we're doing the best we can, but really we're trying to compete with banks, so leave us alone, please. And is that kind of divide, does that surface internationally? So my answer is based on the interactions I've had with our international donor base, which is extensive, and I believe international credit unions wholeheartedly believe in the, the social responsibility function of the credit union of the credit union or the cooperative the SACO, whatever you're, whatever you're calling it wherever the credit union is located around the world is a is a key the key cooperative principle of the credit union and and the credit union shouldn't be functioning without that woven into its dna on a on a day-to-day -day basis when they when it considers adding a new product or considering a new initiative to support community and member i think it's all about it's all about the member experience. It's all about identifying what the member challenges are that are distinct to those to that member group within that community or communities that the credit union serves. To me, it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the pieces of my role here at World Council is to show show that show that important value to or reinforce that value to to the U.S. credit union system as. As we continue, as I continue to talk about World Council and, and the role that it plays in supporting the global credit union movement, and quite frankly, how U.S. credit unions can benefit both their heart, which is the social responsibility side, the more moral, the morality side of it, as well as the head, which is obviously the ROI, the, the business case value add that helps them grow membership, grow bottom line, grow market share, all those kinds of things. So. I just and, and again, some of that is just some of that is is dialogue. My response is based on a lot of dialogue, but also seeing and hearing a lot of what international credit unions do. I, I, I agree with you that there, in the United States is a bit more of a divide of those that are focused solely on the bottom line and or just serving their particular community versus credit unions that have a philosophy that we all we all are a, a part of one 
big unified global movement for forward cooperatives with the end result of improving improving the members' lives and bringing, bringing people who aren't currently members into the movement to help them get, give them the financial services and support that they need to achieve and reach the prosperity that they deserve. And that could be, that could be, that could be anything. Yeah, I've seen data says that for many credit unions, a path to greater financial security is serving the people that Chase and Bank of America don't want to serve. Right. Precisely. You, you want to go compete with Chase and Bank of America and USAA, knock yourself out, see how it goes. Uh, right. But if you want the literally millions of, of, of people across the United States, tens of millions whom, whom they do not want as customers, they really do not want them, um, maybe there's money to be made there. And so the data I've seen says there's actually you can do good by the, by the consumer and you can do good by yourself organizationally, which is kind of, a, I would think, an, a, a key credit union goal. Right. Yeah, is is there much interchange between U.S. credit unions and Canadian? Like interaction in terms yeah, of inter like, interaction. I mean, from the from the World Council's perspective, there's a lot of Martha Durden, who's the CEO of the Canadian Credit Union Association. She sits on our board of the fund of the trade association, and I know that there's a lot of there's been a lot of peer to peer networking going um, that occurs between uh, that has occurred through the World Council's partnerships program, which was formerly an international to domestic peer-to-peer -peer program. I can't really speak to individual credit unions independently connecting with Canadian their Canadian counterparts, but the experience that I've that I that I've learned in terms of and when, when I when I've studied the work that the World Council has done in the past is that there's been there's been examples of leadership from both movements coming together and talking through and talking about various issues that are affecting the global credit union movement. Um, I know leagues in states that border Canada do have some significant level of inter interaction with Canadian peers. Right. And right. They, they, they view themselves as in the same boat, basically. Right, because they're serving, correct me if I'm wrong, but those, those two entities are more than likely serving similar groups of individuals as members, whether they're in Canada or in Vermont or Maine or in Washington State or Montana or wherever, there's a natural migration of, of individuals across border. Pretty um, much, that's what the league people tell me. Now, for a word from our sponsor. Are you looking to recapture members, increase your margins, live your mission? QCash is what you want to know about. That's because QCash delivers a fully automated small dollar short-term credit solution that allows credit unions to meet members' short-term cash needs. Acuso is dedicated to helping credit unions build financial stability and health for its members. Check out QCash at QCash.com. Before we go, the CU 2.0 podcast is looking for a few good sponsors to help us spread the word about the digital transformation of credit unions. You could be one of them. Contact Robert McGarvey for details at rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. First come, first served. Again, that's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. The CU 2.0 Podcast.